I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element. I highlight Fifth Element hip-hop, which is knowledge. Okay, you just got to swim. Well, the light was dim in this life of sin. Now every day I wake up and breathe. I don't have it all. That's all right with me. Stinging the digits. said man well said thank you well, um, well it's that it's that sad boy pod uh, episode so i might as well keep it keep the keep the mood <laughs> i guess but um oh man this podcast is just gonna oh man this is this is gonna fuck me up okay we'll, oh, we'll get to it we'll get oh, we'll get to why i'm fucked up in a lighter note but um yeah this is just gonna be guys this is gonna be this ain't gonna be too funny <laughs> i'm gonna lie with you I'm just gonna be real with you guys. It's not gonna be that funny. Uh, I'll get I'll get in when I can. Personally, I don't know about Ben, but um, yeah, it's just it's just gonna be one of those. It's why it's one of those pods, man. It's just one of um, those pods. I'm almost crying already, man. Like she's um, <laughs> for, for we'll talk about it at the end. But for that to just have happened, and then to us to record this specific podcast, it, yes, it's, yeah, it's not, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I. I don't know how I'd want it. Like, if it were to be this one, or like, um, or, or, or like the DMX one where we knew we'd have fun with it, and then the liner hits, and I'm just like, mm, don't know how to feel about that. But anyway, we'll get to that as we, when we get to that. But for now, how you been? And what have you been listening to this week? So I actually listened to three albums. Well, I listened to quite a lot of albums this week, but I uh, I listened to mainly electronic stuff, but I'll, li- I'll stick to the, the ones with lyrics. So I checked out 070 Shakes, Modus Vivendi, and shout out to Mike Dean, who's been like pestering me. Pestering is not the best word. Uh, he's been strongly encouraging me to listen to this record. And Charlie, really, you threw me for a loop. Like what you called it, I won't. I'll let you say if you if, did. You listen to it? Are you going to speak on it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll speak. Okay, on. I'll let you say what you said in that text message because I don't want to take your steal your thunder. Uh, it's very I don't apt. Remember, but I'm just I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking, I'm just going back to see what I, what I put. Oh, if you don't if you don't say it, I'll say it when you when you give your review. But uh, I I was I was sleeping on it and I really enjoyed it. I thought the beats were really good. O seven O shake really does the trap singing slash rapping thing with a like a lot of artistic integrity. She's not just crooning about lean on this. And I was kind of wondering how she capitalized on the success of her Kanye West collaborations. And this project shows me she's interested in being a genuine, authentic artist rather than just chart chasing. And I have a lot of respect for that. I really enjoyed this project. I put it on a couple of times. I was driving home from the movies after seeing 1917 with my dad, which was a very intense movie. And we just put it on and bang it. Yeah, we just that's a great movie, man. It's a ten out of ten yeah. movie. Boss film. Uh, and we just we just vibe to it. So that was yeah, that was great. Uh Pet Shop Boys, Hotspot. This is uh best to worst again, by the way, as okay. I usually do. Pet Shop Boys, Hotspot. Uh, I've got no idea how old Pet Shop Boys are. At this point they might not even <laughs> still be alive. They these could just be holograms or uh, I don't know, man. I feel like they started making music in like the, the late seventies. Uh yeah. At this point, you pretty much know what you're going to get from them. I wrote this down and said, you're going to get ultra synths, so many synths, then more synths after that with extra synths, 
then some sweet synths, then sweetly sung vocals over synths, then power pop ballads over synths, and anti-establishment lyric lyrics over synths. Bro, uh, Fantano retweeted something, and the headline was just um, Pet Shop Boys say that acoustic guitar shouldn't be in music anymore, and he just said they yeah, actually make a pretty title, yeah. yeah he said like. they actually make a pretty good point. I didn't read the article, but I, I swear, man, if anyone could say it, these guys could say it. Uh, this is a solid album. Uh, it actually sounds like they've updated their sound a bit. Either that, or music is maybe starting to come back around to the '80s synth pop wave because it sounds current and revel- rel- relevant. Uh, I could I could hear some of these tracks in a club setting, but that could be because I'm 31, so I don't know. But <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed that album. If you just want some uh, some nice pop music, chuck that on. And then I'll get to "Music to Be Murdered By" by Eminem. I didn't get to it last week because I hadn't really sat with it long enough. Uh, I've definitely thoroughly listened to it and analyzed the project, and it's decent. It's a really big, which is a big compliment to Eminem at this stage of his career. I kind of I grew up on Eminem. He was the first rapper I ever heard. Actually, he was uh, it was some underground joint my friend sent me when we were about ten years old. So it must have been like '98, and from then I was just basically hooked. I was a card carrying Eminem diehard. And I overplayed all his albums. It's kind of been hard for me to connect with Eminem or understand him after Marshall Mathers LP2. Recovery was good because he was speaking on his addictions and his mental health. There was a lot of personal stuff, which I liked. I didn't like Revival and Kamikaze. Uh, but I think Music to be Murdered by is a solid comeback. The beats are all super fire. The intro, Godzilla, Darkness, Little Engine, Stepdad... Mm. Uh, Dr. Dre's back so it's no surprise that the beats of fire the songs that M produces are great the hooks are great too and I really love the stepdad hook I don't care what anyone says man uh, so uh, hey, oh, so work my, my stepdad <laughs> it just screeches it I'm just like oh it's so it's so 13 year old me it's just like oh man I it love is. that so emo <laughs> so oh I love it, bro. I love it. Um, oh, man. So <laughs> Marsh has a great hook. Lil Engine has a good hook. Some of the beats are a bit corny. But then again, and I was thinking about this, man. I listen to Lil Wayne, okay? So I'm just hating. And this is this is how I knew I was <laughs> hating. Because Lil Wayne raps on No Worries, smoke so much that Smokey the Bear has to bear with us. But when Eminem raps... <laughs> oh. and, yeah. <laughs> But then Eminem, um, oh, right, Eminem raps, I'm too grisly to bear. I'm like, Ugh. oh, that, that ruins the song. But with Wheezy, oh, I'm just like, oh, this is a fire song. So it was just me hating, man. Just a hater. I'm old hater. I'm like Eminem a little bit. I'm just an old hater. <laughs> uh, I think he's found solid ground again, which I'm really excited about. And I want to yeah, see where he I goes agree. next. I agree. Because I, agree. Because I, I felt like he was free-falling a little bit with Revival and Kamikaze. He was... Well, kamikaze is literally what it is in the name like what's kamikaze yeah 100 percent. and and he was um i mean he He was trying something he was trying something on revival and just didn't hit you know and i was actually at the climbing gym yesterday rock climbing and they actually play really good music there and they were playing uh that freestyle he did this is uh something it was something about america and it was actually slapping and i was like the one in the car park yeah that might have been no there was a bet there was a beat behind it. I don't know which oh, one right, it was. Okay. Was it okay. the one where he said he's going to cut his fan base in half? Or ah, uh, I don't know, uh, man. But I don't know. Don't, 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 it was kind of slapping. And uh, okay, 
I just think he tried something on Revival. It didn't work. He responded via Kamikaze. And that whole little thing is just a little microcosm of his career. And Mm. it was not for me. And Mm. hopefully now he's back to where he was. Maybe this is the album we should have got instead of Revival. And now Mm. we're going to see him kind of work within that space again. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a solid album. And, it you know, it's always hard when you're comparing artists to their older music. And my dad asked me if Eminem dropped a new album because he actually used to love Eminem. One of his favorite lines um, on Criminal, M says, if I ever gave a fuck, I'd shave my nuts, stick my dick in between my legs and cluck. And every time dad hears that shit, he just loses his mind. This is a 60-year-old fucking 70-year-old white man. Just loves that shit. So uh, I said to dad, honestly, man, it's hard when you're comparing him to his older stuff, but uh, hopefully he, he progresses from this. So it was a solid release. So anyway, yeah, that's what I got into. What about yourself? Yeah, not to uh, blow Ben up uh, on the street, but uh, he did actually <laughs> talk about music to be heard by last week. But, uh, he told me to delete it because he was very, very... He was not as leveled as he was uh, as he is now. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I think, I think uh, Nadeva... Uh, more leveled on it and actually sat with it i think uh yeah cooler heads have prevailed on that front and, we can uh, keep this fine in. by me uh yeah so i mean well uh, okay let me go let me go chronologically because that's what i always do um so i started with raekwon the appetition oh, um nice. it's only three it's only three tracks yeah, um nothing n- nothing really uh <clears throat> it's 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 Raekwon, but like I feel like the beats were not Wu Tang, if that makes any sense. Like there wasn't no, there wasn't any like you know Shaolin, uh, uh, uh what's the word? Uh, sampling. Samples, There's not, nothing, yeah. nothing like that. No references. Well, probably any references. I didn't read the lyrics, but um, yeah. But it, it, the beats sounded very modern, and it kind of threw me off a bit. Mm, um, but yeah, it's hard. only free. It's only it's only free tracks. Um, so you know, if you guys want to get into it, then get into it. Uh, you know, it's uh, easy easy listen but um yeah it was, it was okay I, I just thought the beats really uh, threw me off and uh, i don't i don't think uh, that was his uh it, it's, it's it's it wasn't it wasn't it for me um and i'm not i'm not exactly a raekwon fan quote unquote um i obviously did see him live the other week but um yeah, yeah it was all right it was all right for free for free songs you know I, I can i can live with that um and yeah so let's get to modus vivendi um so okay. what i said uh i'm looking <laughs> i've had i've just literally just searched it up on the whatsapp uh so i said uh so this 070 shake out uh uh, I, so I put brackets. Who's been on several projects I've heard but didn't clock until looking at a profile uh, is basically Airways and Heartbreak with a little more energy. Um, yeah, so that's basically what I got from it. Um, I felt like it because you know she is um, part of good music, so you know that's kind of where I got it from. I was like, okay, good music, Kanye's, you know, yeah, then there. I thought that was literally the inspiration. Now I was just like, so yeah, I listened to it, and um, I think in terms of like how trippy, psychedelic. Tri- uh, trippy hip hop uh, uh, goes. I, 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 I was objectively, I, I enjoyed it, I guess. But subjectively, mm. I was just, I just felt like, um, I, I don't know. I think it was a bit too, uh, I, I think it was a bit too hazy for me. Um, like in the in the in the uh, tripped out scale, I think it was a bit too much for me on that. I thought it was a bit too wavy, if that makes any sense. But uh, yeah, objectively, I can definitely see why people would enjoy this. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's a half decent album. Uh, not my cup of tea, personally, but I can definitely see why people would enjoy watch uh, listening to it. It's, it sounds like um, 
It sounds like it should be the soundtrack for uh, Euphoria. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I haven't seen it, but I know I know what it's about. But it seems just like that, where it's just like taking drugs, doing this, doing that. Uh, I'm waved. Uh, things are happening. <laughs> it's, it's just it's it's a very it's a very interesting trip of an album. I will say that. Uh, Charlie Smarts is uh, we had a good thing going. Um, North Carolina's own uh, Charlie Smarts, member of Cooley Hire. Uh, this album is very, very nice. I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's so smooth. Uh, every beat is just clean for me. Uh, every song is a no-skip. The the transitions from song to song is buttery smooth. I just really enjoy this album. It's such a good listen. So easy, so vibey. Really loved it. Absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, Coat of the Friend, back with an EP, little EP, uh, Lyrics to Go, Volume 1. Uh, it's basically, you know, the quote-unquote lo-fi, uh, chill hop kind of beats, and Coat of the Friend just goes off, basically, lyrically. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's a very, very great EP. About I think it's about... It's about ten tracks, but they're about. Then I don't think any of them are un, uh, over two minutes long. Um, some of them just have like one verse and a, maybe a hook. So yeah, it's not. It's it's kind of like snippets of Coat of the Friend. But if you if you guys haven't listened to Coat of the Friend, um, and you like you know just the smooth hip hop beats, and he has good bars. So um, don't sleep on the bars. But yeah, it's a it's, it's a good EP. I I really enjoyed it. Um, Calvin Harris. Or should I call him Love Regenerator? <laughs> what? I'm not calling him Love Regenerator. <laughs> Why would you call him that? Because <laughs> that's, that's his new alias for this uh, for this EP, Love Regenerator oh, that's, One. That's um, gross. It's Cordy. That's Cordy as fuck. I'm not calling that's you that. Sorry, How old Calvin. Is he, like 45? I know, oh, exactly. Not doing that. Not doing that. Sorry, mate. Sorry, not going to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's honestly, um, the EP itself, it's very throwback super throwback it's Ooh. something that my dad would listen to back in the day I, like um, I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like uh, well I think Calvin Harris fans are old enough to to recognise that it's throwback but I do wonder if some people are just like oh Calvin Harris's new sound is lit and I'm just going to be like nope this is not a new sound this is like 30 years old don't don't at me okay don't do this don't don't be starting like that so yeah um, one of the tracks, um, there's only I think there's only two tracks actually, so I forget, uh, I forget the name of the track. Uh, but uh, the first one is literally sweet harmony, uh, piano wise, and uh, you know I'm fine with that. It's, it's a vibe. I love sweet harmony. It's a classic. If you guys haven't heard sweet harmony, please go listen to it. It's an absolute classic. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm not calling you love regenerator. I love you, Calvin Harris. And I did actually tweet because um, I because I saw I saw that he was trending. And I was just like. Yeah, Calvin Harris. Had, I was I was just thinking in the back back of my head. I was just like, Calvin Harris had a, had one of the best ten year stretches like yeah. from any artist ever. Like from 08 to twenty eighteen, that stretch was absolutely unbeatable. Absolutely unbeatable for any artist. Honestly, find me a find me a better ten year period uh, in terms of music. But anyway, T uh, three from obviously Slum Village, uh, Mister Fantastic. Uh, this is a little EP from him uh, again, similar to Coat the Friend. A uh, very short. Uh, song song lengthwise, but um, about ten ten or so tracks, something like that. Um, oh, the beats slap on here. The beats fucking slap. You'd think they're Jay Dilla beats, but they're not. Um, they're not Jay Dilla beats. I looked it up, but uh, yeah, regardless, the beats fucking slap. Um, he has a verse from Barton over on here. R.I.P. Uh, he also has a verse from um, uh, Illa J. Obviously, Dilla's brother. And uh, yeah, man, T three just goes off. 
the beats are fat. If you love Slum Village, you're gonna love this. It slaps. It's banging. It's banging. And uh, lastly, um, is it lastly? Well, technically, lastly, uh, Jay Huss's Big Conspiracy. Um, I find this very. I find this very interesting, right? Because. Jay Huss has dropped an album at a similar time, twice now, a similar time that Stormzy has. Um, obviously, uh, the first time was Gang Signs of Prayer for Stormzy and Common Sense for Jay Huss, and obviously recently it's Heavy's the Head, uh, Stormzy's, and now Big Conspiracy Jay Huss. And I don't know what it is about Jay Huss that I really enjoy. Um, but on like on the objective side, when I listen to when I listen to Big Conspiracy, I'm just like, I've heard these tracks before, but Jay Huss just has something else. They're just, uh, I can't explain it. I don't know if it's like the confidence or just the, just the, uh, I don't know, the lyrical content or just how he says things, his delivery. I don't know how, I don't know what it is, but Jay Huss just has that, just has that secret sauce that just, that makes me really enjoy um, a Burner Boy feature or um, a coffee feature and, and coffee's uh, uh, spazzes out on here. One There's of these a fire feature great. list, but man, love, co- fire, love coffee. Man. Absolutely love coffee. I, bro, I, bro, I call coffee before any of you guys. You Leave did. me alone. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's, it's a great album. Uh, shout out to Jay Huss. Uh, amazing album. Uh, but yeah, if you if you like the Afrobeat kind of vibes, uh, he's got them. He's got some um, just hard lyrics as well for some for some. And uh, his song, his last song on the album, Deeper Than Rap, is just is literally that. It's just it's just so good. Very inspiring, um, and yeah, banging album. But I also listened to, um, obviously, I said this, I promised this last week, uh, Mac Miller's Circles, and that is the topic of. Uh, no, that's that. That's the best transition I've ever done. Um, <laughs> and we get to the topic of our episode, and I've already ruined it with uh, obviously our retrospective, unfortunately, on uh, Mac Miller. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna leave it to Ben to uh, start off because obviously this is uh, Ben's wheelhouse. Um, I will go into what I've listened to this past week from Mac Miller in a Mac Miller perspective, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. But obviously Ben wants to uh, give us a, give a few words. So the floor's yours, sir. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear actually how you feel about it because some of the rhetoric I've seen on Twitter has been really interesting from people who, I mean, this circles was Mac's most consumed first week album. So theoretically there are a lot of people who weren't really Mac fans before checking him out. So I'm keen to hear that the way I want to, I guess tackle this podcast is I want to take it from two angles. So the thing that I was seeing a lot on Twitter was people confused as to why there was such an outpouring of emotion around Mac. And I guess if you listen to circles by itself in isolation, you might not really understand why it's such an impactful and powerful album, because I'm not saying it's meek, but it's quite delicate and quite nuanced. And you might just go, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a little, little pop album that he's thrown out there. But uh, I'm going to speak on my personal experience with Mac and, and the, the, the experience that I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about their experience with him, especially through my statistics. And, and they've come to me and said, you know, Mac was essential to me. So maybe we can get the emotional angle of Mac and people can understand why there's this kind of grief and tragedy. And then I want to just look at Mac the artist and, and do it by era because I think his growth arc is one of the most incredible that I've ever encountered. You know, he went from frat rap to the deeply affecting circles from crushing kegs to literally becoming the voice of the people who are suffering from some of the most crushing life conditions. And I think his arc is really special. I want to speak firstly on my experience with Mac. And I was introduced to Mac through the now infamous Pitchfork review in 2011, which was Blue Slide Park. 
and it got a one out of 10. And at that point, I just had no respect for Pitchfork anyway because I'd been consuming their content for a few years and I realized they were just edge lords. Like genuinely, they were just edge lords. So I thought, well, this has to be a good a good project if they gave it one out of 10 because they're just douchebags. And it was, you know, Mac's early work sits comfortably in that kind of Asheroth, Wiz Khalifa, etc., frat rap, stoner rap genre. And it was right in my wheelhouse at the time. I was at the tail end of four years of alcoholism, four years at university. Uh, the slightly more mature Mac that we saw on Blue Slide Park kind of really threw me back into his early work. And that's where I, I kind of went. I went back through his early mixtapes and I just really like the inanity of some of the music, the euphoria of giving into drugs and allowing them to enhance your life. Drinking actually never made me sad when I was an alcoholic. It really calmed my severe anxiety. And if when I drank enough, it brought on a genuine state of euphoria. And a lot of Max lyrics were dealing with that. If you listen to uh, the High Life or that mixtape, Kids, Best Day Ever, he's talking a lot about just taking drugs and enjoying life. And there was no darkness in those, you know, and... That was my experience with alcohol. By the time that Macadelic dropped, and this is, we'll see it later when I give the statistics, that was when there was a genuine shift in Mac's content and Mac's, uh, I guess, the way he was dealing with fame and things like that. My world, as his world was, it had already become begun to collapse. And uh, it's pretty scary the way that, yeah, I don't know, man, I don't know how else to say this, but shit like everything mac went through i kind of went through in my own way and that's why i feel such kinship to him and macadelic began to show the cracks in in mac's psyche it was but it wasn't really until man the horrifying triplet of watching movies with the sound off delusional thomas and faces that we saw mac's hell totally laid bare i spoke about this on our album of the decade podcast you know when mac rapped i closed my eyes before i crossed the street if a car's about to hit me then it ought to beep and at that point in my life, I was driving around with a seatbelt because, uh, without a seatbelt, because you know, if I crashed, I, I wanted to die. I was ready to die. And I'll talk about Max's uh, viewpoint on mortality and, and how it is a, a motif throughout his whole career a bit later. But when you're unwell, this is—I think this is the—I wanted to just give a little bit of a history, but I want people to understand because I read uh, the Year of Mac by Donna. Donna Claire at DJ Booth. I don't know if anyone's checked that out. It's, it's a stunning collection. It's it's the one of the best collections of of knowledge on an artist I've ever seen in my life. And there's a section where Donna's talking about how Mac taught her how to live and how she felt resonance with Mac when she couldn't even talk to anyone else about what she was going through. And Mac Miller was, you know, speaking to her. And this is my experience. You know, when when you're this unwell mentally. 99% of the population will disengage with this part of you. You carry around this horrid void of darkness every single second you're alive, awake or asleep. And it sounds dramatic because it fucking is, man. There are weeks and months that pass where every minute feels like 10 and pain is just unavoidable and unbeatable. It beats the life and humanity out of you. And you're entirely alone, even when you're surrounded by people. In fact, that's probably when you feel the most alone because everyone else is enjoying their life or at least getting on with it. And you can't. And no one except people you pay are willing to climb into that hole with you. You know, you have psychologists and psychiatrists, but you fucking pay them. It's really hard to get over that dynamic. And there's nothing more lonely that I've experienced in going through that hell and having absolutely no one to talk about it 
or to experience it with you or to provide you with any solace. And the thing is that Mac Miller goes into that horrible void with us. You know, on Objects on the Mirror, he said, uh, baby, you and me, we could change the world forever and never come back again. Let's leave it in the rear view. You don't have to cry. And when you hear that, it's like, he knows exactly what you're going through and he wants to help you out of it, but he knows because he's in it too. And both of you want to escape it. Like it's, it's scary, man. And I can't hear that song without crying. And this is why people have such a deep emotional connection with Mac. We go through deep, powerful, insane things, and Mac is willing to rap about them. He dissects them, he wallows in them, and then he perseveres through them. He, he is our talisman. He's the person who fights for us, who gives us a voice. And when swimming dropped, I was finally starting to haul myself out of that horrid place I was in. I was coming off medication, dating again, doing a bit of paid work, putting on weight, and he was emerging from his darkness as well and then he was taken and it's one of the most tragic things I've ever personally experienced this this man who meant so much to so many people who fought the darkest of demons and he fought them with us was finally beginning to fight for life and grasp at it and it was ripped from him in the worst circumstances you know for the people that he impacted this was a fucking tragedy and that's why there is now an outpouring of emotion every time he's mentioned because we loved him and he was our talisman. Well said. Um, I feel as a person who, um, until obviously this past week, has listened to majority of his projects, um, and before that, only about um, Divine Feminine and obviously uh, movies with the sound off for our uh, uh, top 10 of the decade. Um, I saw mac as um as like some of my favorite rappers like best friend in a way and just like and just like that guy that's you know always about um for some other artists to just like i don't know just to obviously i don't know what they what they what they what they did uh from the day to day but it just seemed like whenever he was there it was just like they felt they felt a little bit better and they just like um were able to either do what they were doing or just like chill out or just succeed in whatever they wanted to do that particular day as long as mac was there and um you know you could say people like anson pack or schoolboy q more specifically um for me personally but um yeah musically i never really um got into him obviously until now simply because um I'm not really I'm not really sure to be honest if it, it didn't fit it, I I personally didn't feel like because I have this with a lot of ice where you know I always know their name and you know maybe I've heard a few tracks here and there but nobody ever told me I, I feel <laughs> this may be you know a bit childish in a way but I feel like some people for some artists I have to be told you know you should listen to this person because like this person's you know, list off, list off, list off, and then no, nobody really ever gave me a reason to um, until now, obviously, and I'm grateful for that. And actually, I actually feel a bit more grateful than I probably would have uh, beforehand because I listened to Divine Feminine when it dropped, and that was the first album that I listened to of Mac Miller fully when it when it actually dropped. Um, and not to obviously, we'll get into the uh, music itself um, after I finish, but um, yeah, it was it was 
obviously in co- in context now in uh, in hindsight it's, it's obviously a a bit of a uh, I guess it's a, a shift that that was a genuine shift when that album dropped and uh, now that I know that context it feels much more fulfilling for me um but you know but with that said might as well just hop into particular um in particular albums so should I list off what I listen to and then go backwards or forwards I was going I was going to go I was going to start from start from the early mixtapes okay. and then uh go forward if you want can do all right so I, I listen to kids first um that was the first that was the earliest I listen, the earliest project I listened to they really follow the sonic thread that kind of everything did in that emergent genre. You know, Mac was around uh, Wiz a lot early and Wiz was kind of recording at the studio that Mac ID Labs. He was recording at the studio that Mac and Germ, his producer, spent a lot of time at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the artists who rose to the top of that genre, who are Mac and J. Cole, they always, and, and Wiz as well, although Wiz didn't really hold this deeper message and he hasn't had the longevity that these two have. He always, Max's music always held a deeper message. And whilst Cole's was way more overt, that being his socially conscious songs, and he would devote entire songs in his early mixtapes to this topic, Mac was significantly more laid and even subconscious at times. And it's only with the benefit of hindsight that we can see those early mixtapes through his filter, which was a young man just trying to stay young. And the world wasn't crumbling, crumbling around him. At that point, he was living the dreams of many of his peers, as he spoke about often on Best Day Ever. His internal world might have been beginning to crumble, but I sent Charlie some cool statistics where we looked at when Mac was speaking about positive mental health, and I'll see if I can get them up because they're pretty cool. Like, you don't realize how much actual positive... This is just positive mental health. I mean, if you listen to those albums, most of it is just positivity. And, and flexing and, and just lyrical flexing. Uh, it was 12.5% on the jukebox, 17.4% on the high life. Kids was 20.7% and best they ever was 19.3%. And then you juxtapose that with then that three album, three project run, watching movies, Delusional Thomas and Faces, which yeah. is crazy when you look at the, the change that happened. And I'll talk about that when we get to Blue Slide Park, but... Those early mixtapes, you know, he was spitting back then, man. He was genuinely oh, spitting. Yeah. I got the the rhyme percentage. My Mac and Ain't Easy was sixty six point one percent rhyme percentage. That's freaking high. The High Life sixty four percent. Kids sixty two point eight percent. Like that stuff. I love life. Thank you was fifty eight point eight percent. That that was high stuff. So uh, Mac Mac in this time was a product of his environment and. I guess the scary thing was the change when it came to Blue Slide Park, but that album still... I mean, Donna wrote really wonderfully about it again this year in Mac, man. She's, she's, she was on top of stuff. She said that <clears throat> it was quite a disquieting undertone to that album because it was his first commercial success, and it signified that Mac had morphed from the kid that he portrayed on, on his early mixtapes into this Peter Pan kind of character where he was desperate not to let the joy and euphoria of his youth slip through his grasp. And there are errant bars throughout his career, early career, that she used to form this hypothesis. So on Just a Kid, he raps, Damn, I'm high, and I know that they never understand because I'm just a kid, but they tell me I'm the man. And then on the opening track of Blue Slide Park, he raps, Sometimes I just want to go back to Blue Slide Park, the only place I call home. I hope it's never all gone. 
I don't think it's ever all gone. And to me, that really brought his early discography into focus. And I'm not saying that Mac was inauthentic. They're just, they're great tapes, man. They're great tapes to put on and just vibe to and and listen to in the summer. And Mm. it's just Mac having fun. And, you know, in hindsight, it's just really beautiful to go back and listen to those tapes and just understand that even though things did fall apart for Mac, he was just having fun back then, man. And it's mm-hmm. great to know that he didn't in, endure this pain his entire life. There was a period in his life where he was just he was just loving life and loving hip-hop and living the dream. And and that's what I really gleaned from those early mixtapes. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I got from listening to the kids, so especially. I feel, I feel like I want to listen to the previous ones as well, actually, because if it's, if, it's, if it's the same as kids and... Uh, you know that was uh, I'm down I'm down for listening to the previous work and earlier works honestly because yeah I was listening to that while walking the dog and it was just like it, it reminded me of uh, listening to XV again back in the day actually yes um, yeah I didn't want to say it, that but I was like I thought Charlie <laughs> might get angry at that but like it's so no, much no. like XV yeah, no. like yeah, it's, so much yeah this it's so and obviously they collabed a couple times uh I think for like Mirror's Edge uh, the particular song but um yeah no it's it, it, it's 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 very you know, uh, I forgot what you said, frat rappy, and, uh, you know, I I can, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff, to be completely honest, not in terms of just, like, you know, from a culture perspective, um, but just more about how freewheeling it felt, um, just the beats were light, just the, you know, just the stories told, as uh, I think it was that one where he's, like, saying that, I went to New York uh, on this on the Friday, like party a couple of days, and then came back for a Monday to go back to work or something like that. It was just it's just stuff like that. It just felt, you know, it felt like what I'm trying to do now. It's just like I'm trying to like go to shows and just like enjoy myself and stuff like that, and you know, also trying to do these kind of things, obviously on the side. But you know, it's just it's just, it's just a young dude just trying to you know live life and stuff like that, and it's very it's very liberating uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, no. So it was, it it was very, it was a very uh, enjoyable mixtape. I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. And uh, if I ever find the find the urge to listen to High Life or Mac and Easy, I might give it a go. To be honest, I'm, I'm genuinely. Did you um? Did you bump Blue Side Park? I did bump Blue Side Park. Okay, how you feel? Um, I feel uh like it was genuine because obviously it was his first um, studio album, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. So I feel like there was a studio album quality to it, and I feel, and obviously when it comes to mixtapes, especially of that era, um, the the people's uh, first album studio wise is just a little bit, I don't want to say dulled, um, but uh, polished. There you go. Let's just let's just say it's it's more it's more polished uh, for 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 um, for be- for better or worse. Um, I didn't. I didn't enjoy the album itself. Um, it's just like after straight after I listened to it straight after listening to kids. As soon as I got back, and it was just a bit like, uh, oh, okay, this is um, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, more, a little bit more. Um, I guess I don't want to say serious, but um, a bit more um, focused. There you go. I say, I say focus. I think that's the best word for it. So yeah, um, I did. I did enjoy it, but. Um, yeah, just listen to it straight off the kids was a bit, a bit uh, it was just a bit, uh, it, it dulled it a bit, dulled the experience a bit for me. But you know, it, uh, on its own, it's a, it's, a, it's a good album, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was the first place I came into Mac with Blue Slide Park. And I had that feeling that you had with kids with just, I used to run to that album all the time. And it was just like, mm. 
it, I never really understood the full depth of that album, obviously, until later. And I don't think even Mac really understood it because I think a lot of it was subconscious and, and it really came through when Macadelic dropped and then watching movies. But yeah, it was fun. It was honestly a fun album. And the funny thing is that uh, the, the guy who, who worked with him at Rostrum, Benji Grundberg, I think his name is, said that uh, by the time that album came out, Mac was way, way past that. Like, you know, albums had pretty long lead-in times back then. So I think he said it was like four months from recording to putting it out. And he mm. just said by the time it came out, Mac was just nowhere near that headspace anymore. And it, it feels like a bit of a snapshot in time, that album. And I struggled to go back to it because it does feel, as you say, a little bit more forced than his prior music. And I'm not saying forced in a bad way. It's just like, oh, we've got to get this out. We've got to, you know, polish it up. We've got to yeah, make sure we've got yeah. the single. we got to, we got to, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And then the thing I always loved about Mac's music after that was it was freeform. You know, it was almost like, as as the guy from Rostrum said, Benji Grunberg, he, he said that Mac just did whatever he wanted to do. He went into the studio and he would just work incessantly and uh, I think it was Edan who also said that uh, Mac just... I, that was what interests me the most. I think it was Edan, or it might have been Big Germ, said that Mac was really hard to work with. No, he was easy to work with and create songs, but he had full creative control of his product. And, I th- and, and he said it would be really hard for someone to put a posthumous album out because Mac would be changing things all the time. Like a song that he thought was the best song yesterday the next day wouldn't even be on the album. And so that threw me a little bit because I really wanted to believe that John Brion was doing everything right with Circles. But I think it really shows why Mac's mental state started to, I guess, fall apart after Blue Slide Park because I don't think he was 100% in control of that process. And then by the time everything came out and he was working on his next thing. The album came out and then Pitchfork gave it a bad review and people actually said that Mac was really impacted by that Pitchfork review. I thought it was just a joke when people said that. They're like, oh, Mac Miller didn't like that. I'm like, why the fuck would Mac Miller care about a Pitchfork review? The problem was <laughs> yeah. that Pitchfork had a lot of clout back then and they were basically calling him a white yeah, boy imagine. frat rapper. Yeah, and imagine. It, imagine imagine if you're in this studio, right, and you're, you're creating Macadelic and you're playing all these instruments, and you, you, you're going for this new sound, this experimental sound, and you're digging really deep into the into the subconscious and, and mental health, and then they come out and say you're just a frat rapper, your first album. Like, how do you... That's hard. That's really hard. And when you look back at it, it, it could have been like the beginning of the end of Max just high life, enjoying life period, and that's why I struggle to listen to that album still, to be honest. Yeah, um, I literally just looked up the review itself. Um, they gave it a one, just a straight oh, yeah. up 1.0. <laughs> Fucking hell. 1.0. And, and it's incredibly short. Um, I was just like, I was just scrolling to see how long it was. And I was just like, Fucking hell, this is incredibly short. Like, uh, it's literally like five, yeah, about five paragraphs. It's not even that long. Um, I just wanted to get something off it. Just uh, This is, in a way, rap music's fault. Mac Miller has been called frat rap, and while there's a slight truth to that, the term leaves unacknowledged the fact that frat guys used to engage with the rap world writ large. That interaction may have involved an unhealthy appreciation for Jurassic 5. Why, why is she on Jurassic 5? Fucking love Jurassic 5. Get off Jurassic 5. Fucking... No, that's, a, that's another retrospective I'd love to do. But anyway, yeah, but it's just... Uh, yeah, this, this review is a bit... Um, it's it's very yeah it's very dismissing 
Um, they say on the uh, the, the uh, John Sargent who wrote it said. Uh, says uh, Mac Miller's debut is first out to go number one in 16 years, but the Pittsburgh rapper is mostly just a crushingly blend of intoler- an intolerable version of Wiz Khalifa. And that's just, like in, in hindsight, that's just a, a cold, ice-cold take. That is an ice-cold take. Freezing cold. It's wrong. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a freezingly cold wrong take. That is actually <laughs> terrible. Um, but yeah, so... I want to just swiftly move on to Macadelic because obviously that was, um, I think, um, just tonally um, where I felt a change, like a, a, a definite sea change in uh, how he talks. Because I met, there was one song, I forget what it's called, um, but he was referencing like younger people. And I was just like, I mean, you're still, you're, you're still young at this point. Mm. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure you can still. You know, uh, if you want to recapture whatever you, you know, the fun side of everything, I'm sure you can, but clearly he couldn't um, at that point. And obviously from what you said about the Pitchfork review, obviously since it stuck with him, clearly that just left a left a dent. And um, I mean, from the from the uh, mental health uh, chart that you gave me, clearly it was the, um, well, the, the negative uh, mental health goes up from here um, in terms of discography, but, you know, mental health wise it goes down um ironically enough and yeah i found it very i found it very uh it was the first album of his that i felt cold coming out of um it was just like there were there were times where there's obviously songs in there that you know have a peppy um peppy way of you know mac millerisms um but yeah, overall, I just felt a bit cold after listening to it, and I was just like, "What the hell went wrong? What the hell went wrong after uh, before that?" You know, what I mean, what 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 caused him to do that? Uh, to 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 talk like that? And yeah, like I said, I've mentioned, um, you know, he, he referenced other you know kids younger than him. I was just like, "That's a bit, it's a bit early to be doing that kind of stuff, isn't it? You're not an OG yet." Um, but I don't know. Clearly, he, someone. Um, or just the industry, I guess, in a way, just like told him you need to grow up. Um, and I think he tried with Macadelic. And um, in my mind, I don't, f- I think he, I guess, succeeded in a way, but not in a, not in an, not in a fulfilling, fulfilling way. Um, like, again, it felt, it did feel a bit um, forced and it felt like a response to something. Um, and yeah, I was just, um, I don't know. It just left a, it just left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth listening to that album, to be honest. And obviously, just set a set the scene for obviously the uh, the trilogy that you uh, already gave. Yeah, I had an experience when I was younger. I used to surf, and this was like perfectly described Macadelic to me. To be honest, I didn't really like Macadelic that much either. And the, I'll I'll get into why. But this this experience. So we went up surfing up the coast. It was a beautiful day. And the waves were two to three foot, just clean. It was really incredible. And there were these guys that had been surfing there and actually filming. And we asked them if it was all right out there because we weren't the best surfers. They're like, yeah, it's fine. So I was just sitting mm. out there chilling and it was just so amazing. I was like, man, this is really nice. And then all of a sudden, this huge, I was out quite far, this huge wave with so much power underneath it. It didn't break. It just went under me. And I was like, oh, shit the hell was that and I, I looked over at the beach and this massive wave is forming i looked out back out to sea 
And there must have been, this wave must have been six, seven foot came in and just fucking mm. absolutely totaled me. And, and I always think of the the pre-wave as being Macadelic and then the, that triplet of albums being the big wave because that thing, man, yeah. that was actually, it was it was funny in hindsight with, when that happened to me because I got smashed so badly that my board shorts fell off. So I was fully naked when I finally emerged. I'd only just survived. I was like underwater for about 45 <laughs> seconds getting thrown around. And I finally emerged and I'm looking for my board shorts i don't know where everything is all these professional surfers are on the beach looking out at me like look at this guy look at this idiot i'm like oh shit is that so, why you wear compression gear now <laughs> absolutely man i never want that to ha- that to happen again <laughs> but yeah so we get into you know i, I didn't really like macadelic that much because i i felt it's the same the way way i felt about good am i i just felt like mac was trying to i was gonna ask some... you how was that because i didn't listen to that i was I'm going not... to I'm not the biggest fan of Good AM. I'll speak about it in a second. I, I think that they okay. were both transition albums for him, and I think they were important. Macadelic was him definitely transitioning from the youth, and I, d- I don't think anyone told him he had to. Certainly the interview that they did, that DJ Booth did with the Rostrum well, It was guy, like a writings on the wall thing. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, 100%. It was, you know. It was like he was always going to do this, and the guy, I spoke to, uh, the guy uh, DJ Booth spoke to from Rostrum said that they, they kind of didn't have anything planned sonically for Mac. They just let him do whatever he want. And he said that it was just so different and they were all a little bit scared because it was such a different sound that he was going for. And then obviously watching movies came out and it's just a watershed moment in Mac's career. It's critically acclaimed. It's it's one of the greatest albums uh, in that genre, like of that, I, I won't call it sad boy rap, but you know what I mean, like... Yeah. It's 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 a it's a pivotal album, and the the part the, the motif that I want to speak on, and then use that to to thread the next few albums is mortality. Because yes, Max speaks about it a lot on circles, and a lot of people said that's quite disqu- disquieting, and, and to know that he was speaking about it so much, and then he passed. But honestly, man, he's been speaking about it his entire career. He even said on Kids, he said, "Hello, death. It seems we meet again." Before talking about. I think it was his grandfather who passed and just having a deep conversation about death. And, you know, as with all deep thinkers, I think, because we just don't know what happens when we die. Max Mac lapsed into regular meditations on what happens when you do die. And often he'd console himself with the idea of a heaven. But I honestly feel that was a bit of a nursery rhyme that he'd internalized to avoid the nothingness. Uh the scoop on heaven, which came prior to Blue Slide Park, was really dark, man. He was like basically asking people if heaven is real because he was scared of dying. The scariest thing, though, is when he actually starts to embrace death because prior to Blue Slide Park and Blue Slide Park, it's kind of like death is a, is a thing that he thinks about, but he dismisses yeah. it. You know, on Blue Slide Park, he yeah. raps, never scared of death. I ain't ready for that day to come. And he kind of avoids the topic. But then on Macadelic, he raps, uh, I wonder if I'll maybe get a second life. This time I'll make it right. And then pain, path is limitless, death, that's ridiculous. I'm going to live forever because a legend never die. But it, it just feels, I don't know, man. On Macadelic, he just felt like he was up and down. But then we get to faces and watching movies and delusional Thomas. And it's really dark, man. Like on faces, this is one of the songs that people really point to as as having 
a freaking scary and disarming lyric at it. It's New Faces V2. And if you listen to his early music, he, t- he does a lot of marijuana and, and alcohol. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't touch cocaine. And he, he talks about it a little bit where he's kind of avoiding cocaine and just says, I'm not going to do that. That's when you know I'm fucked up. When I'm doing cocaine, that's when you know I'm fucked up. He says, all my life I've been afraid of the powder on this song of Faces. And that's when it really hits home. Because at the end, like coming off that lyric, he says, this could be my last breath. I'm going to take my time because I'm going to go out the same way I came in, right by the pussy with nothing on my mind. And that's just a tiny little portion of the the death that Mac was talking about. Like if you just listen to that freaking, those three albums, it's just all darkness and mortality. And it, it really transformed from Mac questioning mortality and questioning what happens after you die. And I feel like that's just a, a healthy thing for a deep thinker or an intelligent person to just wonder about like what does happen. We don't know. We have no idea. So of course you're going to be intrigued by that. But then on these three albums, it turns to I'm going to die. Like I'm, I'm an addict. I'm not well. Uh, I will die at some point soon. And that was really scary, man. That was such a scary transition to make. And Macadelic was the start of that. And then yeah. I think he, he he was testing the water and kind of understanding where his lyrical feet were. And then, bro, when he came out of that, man, ugh. yeah, that was the, those three albums are. Uh, if you've never listened to any of those, I, I don't know what to say to you. Be careful because now that he's passed and listening to those albums, it's it's man, they're brutal. They're brutal pieces of music. I haven't. Um... <clears throat> I only listen to watching movies out of those three. So instead of that, um, me talking about that, I want to ask you, like, at the time of those uh, projects dropping, because uh, I feel like they came in reasonably uh, quick succession. I'm just going to look up the release date, uh, releases that, for Within 12 three, months. Three. Within 12 months of each other, I think. What, all three? I think so. I think watching movies wow. came out mid twenty thirteen. Faces might have come out late twenty fourteen. Delusional Thomas was in between there, so it might have been eighteen months. Yeah, twenty thirteen, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. So yeah, yeah, I guess in a space of twelve months. But yeah, like, I just wanted to ask you because um, since it came, since all three of them came out in such quick succession, like at the time of those particular projects dropping, like where where did you? like feel um like what did you did you have like i guess concern or i I, just what was like the pulse there in terms of just like this this music's obviously great but (laughs) it's so dark uh so like i don't know where how 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 did you compartmentalize those especially uh 12 months i guess of those particular projects releasing i guess i mean that was the darkest 12 months of my life personally i almost died twice uh, i was in hospital at one point and they basically said if you go home and and don't change you're going to be dead easily within the week and i just got up and left and i didn't want to live anymore and max albums at the time i was in a very selfish place and so i was not a very pleasant person to be around i mean if you saw me in public, well, you'd say that guy's not well, but I'd be okay. But behind closed doors, you know, I was a very selfish person. And, and this music just really spoke to me from that place. And I 
in hindsight, because the, the, at the time, I guess I didn't really care what is what I'm trying to say. And that sounds cold yeah. and callous as fuck. But at the time, I was like, fuck this, man. I need something. I need someone to just understand what the fuck I'm going through. And so I didn't think about Mac and how dark that time must have been for him. Now, when I listen back, and I listen back a little bit, like that sometimes those songs come on, on random and it just fucking eats me up to know that so- another human was going through what I was going through or, or going through something similar. And and you know that he was because, and a lot of people... A lot of people might say, oh, how do you know? How do you know that he was just not, you know, playing a part or rappers do that all the time? You just fucking know, man. No one else was saying this shit. No one else was saying it the way he was saying it. He freaking knew. And that's why I say that I like those early mixtapes because at least I know. And I always say this about my life too. You know, I only started really getting terrible around 2011, 2012. And I'm so grateful I had like, six five years of just being a fucking douchebag kid and just having fun and <laughs> making mistakes and womanizing and drinking and doing all that yeah. that dumb shit because i didn't have pain my whole life and mac didn't either but when i think back to those albums and looking back on it now that was that was such a cry for help but but what do you do in that situation if if your artist is making that kind of music like mm. I, I don't know if that that's that might be my question to you because if if you know, I was I was reading the interview with Rostrum and, and after watching movies, Mac went and signed with uh, Warner. I want to say Warner. I'm not 100 percent sure who he signed with, but it was a major label. Right. But my question to you would be: If an artist released a triplet of albums like that, and I've got the the, the negative mental health statistics here: 66.8 percent of delusional Thomas, 65.5 percent of watching movies, and 42 percent on faces were just dark negative mental health talk. If you have an artist doing that and talking about overdosing constantly, what do you do? You know this is their best work of their career. You know yeah. that this is this is this is resonating deeply with people out there. But yeah. what do you what do you, what would you do? I don't know what I would do. Um, I mean, I th- I feel you know I feel like in I feel like I'd be very you know logical about it, and I'd be just like. Um, so like if watching movies came out, right, I'd be, uh, if I was there at the time, you know, actually plugged in at that time, I would have been like, this work is obviously amazing. Like we talk about it now. Um, I feel like it'd be the same as it was at the, at the time, but then obviously you have, um, uh, I literally just looked it up. So like watching movies was in June and then October for Delusion Thomas and then May of 20, uh, uh May of the next year. But faces, so man. yeah, it's so literally under twelve months. So um, I feel like at delusional Thomas point, like I you'd have to, I guess, start thinking about like where is this dude at? Because um, but even with that said, you listen to I don't know um someone like I don't know someone like Trippy Redwick for example, right? The you know, do these obviously not to this level, hopefully never at this level. Um, but does these songs about sadness or you know pure raw emotion and stuff like that, right? And as many artists you can name that do this, that do these, that purvey in these kind of waters, but you never genuinely ask yourself like, are they good? You know, are, are they? 
do I have to do I do I have to be on a do I have to be on notification watch here <laughs> to to see if something happens, see if a news alert drops? You know what I mean? I don't think it ever gets to that point unless you know him personally. Um, then maybe yeah, maybe you would be you know generally concerned. But I feel like as a as listeners as consumers, we can't we we don't try we don't voluntarily give ourselves that permission to be concerned in that way as we would a friend that lives down the street. Even though we see we can see Mac Miller as a, that friend down the street sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how I'd like react if I was plugged in at that point. Um, but and you know, logically, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, of course I would be like, damn, is Matt Miller okay? Like, can we have this conversation, please?" But I don't know if I would, because you know, if it, there's as many artists that drop these kind of uh, they drop these kind of works, um, probably maybe not in trilogies like this in such short amount of time, but. I don't. I don't know. It's it's just it's just you you go about your days and you go about your weeks and months and like you know it's just you know you you just see you see it in you see it in different spaces and you see it differently. So I've I I, I can't answer the question, but yeah, I guess that's the best way the best way I can put it. I mean, it's it's one of those things that we deal with a lot, and and you deal with a lot in the mental health community. Is you can't help people in the end as i said you can't get into the hole with them you know they they you you give them the best tools you can and you hope that they they make the choice to come out of it and exactly a lot of people would say see it from the outside and be like oh, i've got to help that person or but but what are you going to do if they if they're not you know you just got to give them the tools and give them the option to to recover and hope that they come out of it themselves and i guess that's a good transition into Good AM and then Divine Feminine because I feel like on Good AM, did you listen to it? Did you say you listened no, to no, it? No, Okay, no. so I don't like Good AM very much. A lot of people really love it. It's their favorite Mac album, but I felt like it was a bridge between his early career, his mid-career, his late career. Like it it was a bit of a mishmash. It felt a bit like Blue Slide Park where it was kind of all over the place or maybe even a bit, bit more like Macadelic. And okay. I honestly felt the lyrical content, having analyzed it with a fine-tooth comb, there was a lot of denial in that. And I think Mac was responding to the conversation that we just had, and I'm sure there were people having this conversation behind closed doors. And there were a few times on the album where he said, I'm not an addict, I just take drugs, or I'm not that bad, or you know, he, he would say things like that and kind of minimize what he was going through. And I struggled with it a lot because... I did not feel like Mac was out of that 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 place he was in, and it felt to me like he was trying to make a real not mainstream hip hop album, but he was trying to um, sugarcoat his problems, wrap them up, and put them away, not speak about yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I didn't really like that. And then it kind of made sense when we got to Divine Feminine and. This album, I know a lot of people will love this album, but this album did not sit well with. I mean, I love it musically. Incredible mm-hmm. piece of music. But again, if I'm a, if engaging with it emotionally, it did not sit very well with me. And Donna you think actually... it dug deeper? Sorry, what was that? You think it dug the hole deeper, basically? Well, it was another way of coping. It was another... Donna wrote it. Donna wrote wonderfully in her Year of Mac piece. And she wrote, Love makes me manic, which means love gets me high like it's nothing. 
Love makes me feel grandiose and invincible. Love makes me feel like I was never depressed, like the lows of my life are a sham, like I could never be low again. It's intoxicating and dangerous to get as high as I do, but I can't live without the feeling, or rather, I choose not to. And there are lyrics on that album that are really dark. You know, he he says, Okay now, baby, don't you leave my side. Don't even try. I'm a go-crazy girl. You save me. Before intoning heavily on the hook, Will you just stay a little while, baby? And then there are other Mm -hmm. lyrical snippets like, I was a soldier, now I'm coming home. The war is over. Can I have a hand to hold a band-aid for my damaged soul? I paint the planet gold. My only way out is the way in. I won't stop till you're mine, no way. Well, all my days now they change in. I've got angels, no Satan. Um, Why you got to stay on my case? I try to make you feel okay. Don't you know I'm in pain? I give you clues, you misconstrue, you continue to push me far away. And as with Blue Slide Park, I felt that there was a real dark undertone and I never really got the impression Mac was speaking from a manic place, just a disordered one, where he replaces substances with love. And love is really, really powerful. It can change your life in a freaking instant, man. It turns your entire world inside out. And Donna said it well. It, it's like like the lows of my life are a sham. It's <laughs> I can't explain it. You know, I, I had a relationship with a girl around the time that I was listening to Divine Feminine and then Swimming came out that changed my life because... And I don't think Mac's singing about love so much on this album as infatuation, and we spoke about this on the Chance the Rapper podcast. There is a definite dif- di- difference between love and infatuation. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's probably speaking, and this is just my opinion. I could be wrong about this 100%. I-, I-, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but this is just how I feel. I felt like it was infatuation, and I was with a girl for about three months and heavily infatuated and Divine mm-hmm. Feminine could have soundtracked our relationship. I made supersonic psychological gains in that time. If not for that relationship, and I'm not saying for that person because she was just a horrible human in hindsight, but if not for that relationship I had, hip-hop numbers wouldn't exist. I would not be on this podcast right now. I wouldn't be anywhere except where I was at the time, which was in pain. And everything became easy when I was in this situation and have these feelings. And that's why I felt like it was just... With Mac, it was just another pain over my problems kind of situation. It's a great album, don't get me wrong. Mm. But I saw the other side of it, and Donna saw it as well in her piece on Divine Feminine. Read that, it's unbelievable. And that's why I struggle to listen to that album in hindsight because it, if, yes, it's genuine, 100%. Everything Mac did was genuine, but mm. it just felt a little bit disquieting and disarming to hear him all of a sudden, only a couple of years out of faces, be like that, you mm. know. It, yeah, that was that was that was a tough one. I think it's actually a very interesting way of thinking about it. I actually didn't think about it like that. Um, I was because obviously, like I said, this is the first album I listened to with Mac um, uh, way back when it actually dropped. And um, looking at it now, I was actually looking at it more from uh, after you know finishing up listening to some of these albums and mixtapes. I felt I, I looked at it more from a sound perspective and just like how evolved he was as a producer and actually just as a you know having an ear for what he felt like good music was um i i I just looked at it like that to be honest i looked at it from purely sound perspective and just like his evolution as a musician i that's how i looked at it but um the way you're talking about it from obviously from a emotional standpoint i think is very poignant um and probably probably true to be honest i can imagine it's Thinking about it now, with what you just said, it seems like 
it, it, it makes it sound like a holiday when you're yeah. just with, you know you yeah. know you just go on yeah. holiday and you just yes. have a fucking whale of a time it. and like yeah. you're banging two weeks or however long you go on holiday yeah. for and like 100%. you know you don't have to think about anything else no 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 just enjoy yourself just waste a day if you want to spend the day if you're uh, doing stuff you want to do whatever you like and i feel like that's kind of what some people's relationships can be sometimes especially short-term ones oh yeah i should know i've had many short ones and <laughs> never no long ones but uh that's just me um but yeah no it's it's it is an interesting thing um and i i do feel, i do feel like you know just to put you know be the mild devil's advocate on it i do feel like some of those relationships do you know serve a purpose in the long term um Hell yeah even though you feel like the person that you reference is uh in hindsight she is still a moment that uh not to be your psychologist or anything but it's it it's a it was a i feel like it could be it could have been like a moment where because you had those three months of just like you know pure ecstasy or however you want to describe it infatuation like you said you know it gives that room to actually you know um take certain leaps maybe yeah. take risks or whatever you know, it just leave, it just gives you the chance. It gives you the chance to do some do different stuff. Um, and I don't know, hey, I don't know if that if you agree with that in hindsight. Um, again, not trying to be an armchair psychologist over it, but uh, as how as how I personally see it um, in terms of just like how I look at relationships now. That's how I look at all my relationships now um, that I have had over the years. The not not several, but a few, <laughs> not many. But um, every time I had one. Um, I always took positives from it and that's just me and it's how I like to think about things and when it comes to relationships but um yeah I've, uh, but Soundwise Divine Feminine was probably my favorite project out of um not to ruin um what I was going to ask at the end but um yeah it was my, it was probably my favorite project from a sound perspective and uh going on to swimming just to jump right into swimming yeah um again from a sound perspective I really enjoyed it uh, it was actually probably more evolved uh, from a sound perspective more po- more polished but in a good way this time <laughs> not like, not like Blue Side Park uh, no, but no. yeah but definitely more polished from a sound perspective uh, just uh, there was some absolutely amazing tunes on, on there and uh, obviously for, via your um, uh, via your uh, mental health uh, chart that you gave me obviously it was very um, I guess balanced and probably yes. his most balanced Yes. In terms of just what he talks about content-wise, and uh, I found that very refreshing uh, when listening to it, um, and it just felt very, it felt measured, you know. If it, it felt like what Divine Feminine and probably Good AM should have been to you, probably um, you obviously say what you're going to say, but um, yeah, that's how that's how I felt about swimming. I actually really um, enjoyed the album. I feel it was just a much more uh, authentic version of Divine Feminine. Yes, very astute, very astute. I should pay you instead of uh, my psychologist. I'm sure you'd be a lot cheaper than her. My psychologist, <laughs> right, the, you know, the day before the new iPhone came out, you know, the one with the three cameras and shit that cost like three yeah. grand. She freaking yeah. had it, man. She hands it across me to to type my pin code in to, for my, my credit card and I'm just like, how did you get, like, what the fuck, man? You're like, you're the same age as me. Come on. But anyway, anyway. You waiting outside, like, for the night, fucking up. Yeah, it was rough, man. But um, Next week on no, the no. Proletariat Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a common theme. But, no, no, you're 100% right. He, he, 
and and you're right about everything you just said uh in hindsight that relationship as as you say like i obviously it hurt when it ended but i had to realize that i'm not the person i am without that relationship that was insane and and you're right i use that to make incredible gains as i said supersonic gains and i felt like mac did use divine feminine and and it when we say use i know you might be sitting out there like you don't use relationships you you have to learn from them. We learn from everything we do in life. It's not using it's them as a, yeah. It's not using them as a tool, and then you, when you're done, you discard them. It just means that something ended, and you're gonna learn from it. And I feel like on swimming, again, you said it 100 percent right. He he did that. He actually had a more stable approach to recovery of his mental health, and you know, 35.3 percent of his bars are positive mental health, like positive things, like self care, self analysis. Only 25.3% are negative. And yes, there is still, obviously, you don't just recover. And that's that's why Divine Feminine didn't feel good because there are only snippets of bars on there. And it was like, we haven't seen you recover, Mac. We've, we've just, you know, you haven't told us about this. And that's why I think swimming really put Divine Feminine into focus because on swimming, he does sound balanced and like he's actually making solid psychological gains. He's on solid ground. We said it earlier with that Eminem album where... It feels like now you're on solid ground and you can build on that. And it felt like on swimming, Mac was on solid ground and he could begin to build on it. And that's why, I mean, to lose him at this point, like, I mean, how how, how do you how do you rationalize that? Like, I mean, like, we know life isn't fair because it it just keeps happening. I mean, it happened again today. We'll talk about it soon, but like, Right? How can it's just injustice to to have an artist that was going what he went through on those three albums, and we had the conversation. Imagine having that conversation behind closed doors and be like, well, "What do we do for Mac? How do we help him? He's mm-hmm. he's just in the grips and throes of addiction and and demons, and as he said, you know, Satan and hell, and and you you want that guy to progress. And then I've seen it in my life, and I'll, I'll speak on my experience. Like, I was obviously down bad, 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 bad. And then mm-hmm. people, I, I've been in situations where people have just cried with joy when I've done certain things, or when I've achieved certain things, or because they love me, they care about me. And, and when I progress and, and make gains, it's just beautiful. And so then for Mac to be taken at the point when he was finally, when we were finally going to get to progress with him and celebrate with him. Yep. Uh, well, bro, what do you say to that? And 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 I'll use that to segue into circles because yep. that's why that's why people were fucked up, bro. That's why people were fucked up when that that joint came out. That's why you watch Fantano's reaction to Good News. I think it was Good News. Yeah, yeah. And I, he's crying, and and yeah. of course he's fucking crying. Why wouldn't you fucking cry? You listen to this man that. Uh, I don't know what to say, man. Like it's. It's just not life's not fair. Like, it, it, I mean, I'm I'm really glad that we have circles, um, but uh, fucking hell, man. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm just overcome at the moment. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah. So I literally finished listening to it a couple of hours ago, um, for the first time, and uh, I mean, off off the back of it, I was uh, initially. Um, cause, cause there's a, cause I think, I forgot what song it is. Let me look up, let me look it up just to see if I remember. But there was a song that just felt like, it just felt like a lot of foreshadowing. 
Mm. Um, like Black Star, David Bowie levels of foreshadowing. Um, it was one of the earlier tracks. Uh, may have been may have been good news to be honest. Or I can see or Blue World, one of them three, I think. But um, yeah, just and and actually there was a track. Um, I think it was Good AM. I'm not sure, but um, shout out to my mate Obil. He, uh, I remember when uh when Mac died, he actually gave me uh he lashed me a track where. Again, I think it was good. Um, don't quote me on it, but he was he was basically foreshadowing his death. And it was kind of it was that that just you know that that really hit me. I was just like, wow, that's um, that's just crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, the circles was um, I guess for uh, it is it's you know it's what is what it is. It's for Mac, it's for Mac fans. It's for people that enjoyed yeah. his music over the years. Like it's for it's not really for you know analysis or. Um, no, that kind no. of thing, as it is with most posthumous albums, and especially in this kind of environment, um, in this kind of space. Um, but yeah, I think I think as, as an album is, you know, very is what it is. Um, it's not, you know, perfect. Of course, it ain't. But um, yeah, like like I said, I already said it, it's 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 for it's for people who enjoyed Mac. That's that's all it is really. Um, but yeah, um, I don't, I don't know if you want to jump straight into the line note afterwards. But um, I don't know if I you have just, anything else to say. But no, I just wanted to quickly because yeah, I think you said it well in circles, and I I don't think we need to dissect it too much. I think everyone will have their experience with it, and if you're confused about why we can't really dissect it, then you know I guess everything I just said in the last hour might show why. It's not um, for it. It's not purpose. It's not the purpose. It's not, it's not for it. It's not for it. It's but I, I do want to speak about Mac the musician real quick because a Go lot of people it. don't really understand. No, I'm not going to say people don't understand. They just don't know. They don't know what this freaking guy did. Like he released a freaking jazz album called Larry Lovestein, and I think it was prior to Macadelic. Uh And they said that E. Dan said that when they were recording the early mixtapes, he knew Mac was special because Mac and his producer Big Germ would just come into the studio Mac would play some guitar, Germ would throw some drums, drums behind it, and they just build these great hip-hop tracks out of it. And there's a classic story where when he was recording Blue Slide Park, he just went into a music store and spent 15 grand on random instruments to make a single track, which was Under the Weather. And Eric G said the same thing about his propensity to or his ability to, to play music. He said, that's what's really crazy working with him too is that he will sit down and play piano then he'll play guitar then he'll play bass then he'll play drums everything he said the studio we were at had a big audio room and he just played drums in there all crazy and came back in the room and played piano it was insane a lot i think a lot of people think he's just a rapper which is fine but he's multi-talented it's fluid and he just kind of exists and that's why john brion was able to create circles from max snippets because it wasn't a rapper leaving behind a bunch of acapellas and a producer having to make guesses with the sonic direction yeah as john brion said in his interview with zane Lowe, a lot of the songs had piano parts and had the melody already worked out and the direction and the hook and uh they might have just been musical snippets but they were a fully formed direction for the album and people have to remember that mac miller was a musician and a songwriter and i'm not saying that to debase the art of hip-hop or rapping or anything like that at all. We, we all adore hip-hop and, and we love it. But there is the production side of hip-hop as well. And we want to give shine to producers and say that the rapper is, you know, part of the song, but the producer is part as well. And Mac was both. And and that's that's a pretty crazy thing that he could just play so many instruments just 
you know off rip that's that's amazing yeah he was a jewel he was a true uh, a true true jewel um <laughs> to start back to another episode um but yeah RP mac um it's just it's, it's unfortunate we had to had to do this episode to be honest but that's how it goes as it goes for a lighter note as well um yeah, fucked, man. so so as we re- as we're recording right now, it's um, Sunday night here in the UK and Monday morning over at Ben's uh, in Sydney. Um, so yeah, literally about I think an hour or so ago, uh, Kobe Bryant died, and um, I don't know why it's hitting me so hard. To be honest, um, it's been a struggle doing this particular episode because obviously we literally started recording like 20 minutes after the news dropped and literally as you were talking i just went back to twitter a couple of times and now there's just like false news reports about like the doors as well being part of it and is it false because i read that i'm I'm seeing false i'm seeing false i don't don't really want to believe it to be completely honest with you because that would just kill me um but yeah i'm 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 seeing i'm i'm seeing like it, like it is with these fucking news stories sometimes, bro. Like it just happens. I don't, I don't know why people do this. Like there was a, there was an episode of the newsroom, um, where it was a whole episode about it. And uh, if you guys haven't seen the newsroom, go watch it. It's a great show, uh, amazingly written, Baron Sorkin. And um, basically, the episode was like, uh, there's this big piece of breaking news, and all of the, all of the news uh, people are, are like, are, are like reporting it as fact right because that's obviously how we see news we see news like we see the breaking news and we're like okay that's fact now you know we believe it right but and the show covers like a news station by the way so you know like a national news station like a cnn type and they refuse to drop the news yet because in journalism there's always this this is always a thing isn't it it's like a i guess an ethical thing it's like do you want to be right or do you want to be first yeah yeah and a lot of these places want to be first. A fuckload of Most these places of them, want man. to be first. Like ninety percent of these places want to be first, and it and it's making me ill. I'm um, just thinking about it. Um, but I'm gonna have to talk about it on what's good. Um, and I'm literally eighty uh, percent of my podcasts are gonna talk about Kobe for the next couple of weeks and probably for the rest of the time. And uh, I don't really know. My feelings are pretty raw at the moment. Again, I don't really know why um it's 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 it's, it's hitting me because um you know as a basketball player he wasn't my favorite player of all time, um but that's obviously not the point. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just the fact that he's so ubiquitous in popular culture. Um, just not not even as a basketball player now, and the fact that he's been retired for for a few years. Well, he was retired for a few years, like. The videos I see now of him is always like at his daughter's basketball games and doing business stuff, getting an Oscar. It, it's just it's shit. It, it, it's shit. Um, I I don't I don't I, again. I'm gonna have to talk about some what's on what's good, and hopefully I'll actually have some words to say by then. But I don't know. I I, I really don't know. It's, it's just. It's just it's just shit. Um, yeah, I, I feel I feel like you know it's it's just it's, it's, I don't know. I I I really don't know. <laughs> I I don't know, bro. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go at the point at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, what do you say? Like, I mean, Kobe was the one who introduced us to basketball in Australia. I mean, 
we knew Michael Jordan and we knew Kobe Bryant. That was it. Like everyone, when they took a shot, would yell out Kobe and. Still, um, bro, I still see. Yeah, still, man, I still do that. <laughs> when um, when oh, uh, when Dave Chappelle did it in that skit, I was just like, oh shit, <laughs> this this is a real thing. Like, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That uh, what the fuck do you say, man? Like, I mean, if if it is true that his his daughter was in the the helicopter with him, uh, yeah, I re- uh, yeah, honestly, like I said, I really, I, I, I really don't, I really hope that's not the case. And uh, if people ask, if people are reporting that, um, this, I mean, and it's wrong, then I'm just gonna see you in a whole fucking different light, to be honest, and. <sighs> But yes, yeah, it's just yeah. I feel bad um, for his family, to be honest. Like, um, like for, from all I see, from all I see, when he's retired from his when he's been retired, like I said, like he's always supporting his daughters, and that's literally all it is for him. Like, and obviously, there's business and creative works, and you know, um, teaching other athletes about Mamba mentality and stuff like that, but. Yeah, the 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 one video I keep seeing people post um, in the past um, hour or so is just like him at a game with his daughter who plays basketball, and he's basically just like pointing at the game, just going like just teaching the game right on the spot right there, and she's and she like gives a little smile in the end. It's just that's just an, it's just irritating. It's just it's just so irritating these kind of things, honestly. And no. you know, I'm I'm I, I I always try and be logical with this kind of stuff, you know, just going like. It's death. There's always, you know, there's millions of deaths every every day and every second, even like it's, it, it happens. Nah, it's but uh, but you know, we just can't. Sometimes you just can't help but add significance to these kind of things, and uh, it annoys me. It annoys me that I I have so much. I'm putting so much significance on on myself for this, for this particular death. But you know, feelings are feelings. Can't explain them, and uh, I mean, yeah. There's different there's different reasons for that, I think. And I was just thinking as you were talking, like, why? Because you were saying all these beautiful things about him. And I, I think what we're bombarded with every day in the media is negativity and people in charge fucking up, people in charge not caring about other people. We see yeah. governments doing stupid things like Brexit or our government not funding bushfire, like government yeah. blaming other people. We see bad people at the top of things and we hear about it in the music industry we hear about people like r kelly you know we see a lot of shit and we realize and it's scary because we understand that the world is filled up with people who are not acting in a very moral and ethical way and they don't care about humanity they're 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 not helping they're hindering and they're they're selfish and they're out for themselves and we probably encounter it all the time if you've got a job and you've got a boss who's like that. You know, no one lives in a in a utopia. No one lives around people who are just nice people all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when we lose people like Kobe or in Australia, we, a couple of days ago, one of the big uh, air fighting planes went down and, and we lost three, three, three firefighters from Canada. And these people came to Australia to help us fight the fires, man. They flew their plane out here and then they died. And it was on the radio and I said, can you just fucking turn this shit off? I, I can't listen to this shit anymore because it, it's the reason I think why we attach such weight to these people is because they're nice people. They're good people. And good people are rare. 
you know, thinking about with Mac and why it, it affected so many people is because the guy was a great fucking person, man. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to diminish the deaths of other people, but it, we attach so much emotion and weight to these humans because yeah, we're good people. Something. They gave something. We're good people. They gave something more than they were given, if that makes sense. And I know yeah, Kobe was yeah. rich and et cetera, et cetera. But the dude was a good guy and he was giving back and he was helping people. And, and when you see people like that pass, you're just really confronted with the injustice of life. And it hurts because you know there's one less person like that in the world. And it's brutal, man. It's not fair. Yeah, it's just irritating. Yeah, so I, I, I repeat, Kobe. Um, I'm gonna have. I'll be much more nuanced on what's good. Trust me on. <laughs> trust me on that. It's just uh, I can't. No, I tough, can't. I, I literally just cannot think right now, to be honest. So with that said, I'm gonna leave it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode for how sad it's been, but <laughs> hope you enjoyed it regardless. Um, I've been Charlie Taylor, the fifth element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. And until the next time, take it easy. Plays the job. All right, please. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show, piece and video goes by bonus points. Thanks to Trail Breakers for the ability to use. Socials for this fulfillment, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and short records will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth and Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time on Dig It in the Digits. <laughs> <laughs>